From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Well, thank you for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a big how-do to everyone listening down the line on our affiliate stations. The podcast, of course, TalkZone.com. Those of you joining us on the YouTube stream. And uh, please take a moment and subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Just hit that subscribe button. We're aiming for 10,000 sometime in 2017. Uh, Ian Robertson is here, Albert Venzel, and uh, Ryan White, all uh, present and accounted for. Uh, those of you also listening in using the app, the Conspiracy Show app, amazing app. So, however, and wherever you're listening, I bid you the finest and the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. We are going to embark on an hour of open lines. It's not something we do a whole lot of, and uh, I think we're going to do a little bit more of it. We're trying to, but uh, this is one night where we'll uh, open up the phone lines, and you can climb into the uh, the co-pilot seat and steer this ship just about anywhere you want to take it. Let me give you the phone numbers. Here in Toronto, the greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll-free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Again, in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And toll-free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. All right. I uh, always head to the mailroom when I uh, wander into the studio in the evening, and I just wanted to uh, acknowledge some people who were kind enough to send. I get lovely mail. Sometimes big boxes and parcels. It's like Christmas. Um, Murray from Thornhill uh, sent a little letter along with a bunch of books that he thought I'd be interested in. Uh, including, let's see, The Silver Manifesto, David Morgan and Chris Marchese. Yeah, I'm a bit of a gold bug in silver. Thank you for that. And uh, also, oh, he also sent along The Cures in the Cupboard for my good friend, Dr. Cass Ingram. I actually have that in my library, but thanks. It's, uh, it's always good to have an extra copy. Mine is getting a little uh, tattered. It's been a while since we've had Cass on the show. Uh, so thank you for that, Murray and Thornhill. And then I got this... Uh, Express post uh, package from, uh, let's see, it's from Sandy and James Duncan. Sandy Duncan. No relation to the uh, the actress, I guess. Anyway, Sandy and James, uh, I did receive your letter, and they are proposing that they want to be guests on The Conspiracy Show. And uh, Sandy, I guess, is an intuitive medium. And uh, James, her husband, um, uh, well, he's... Um, got some interesting thoughts on 9-11 and um, UFOs and so forth. So I'll have a look at this when I get home, and uh, we can get you on the program. We'll see. Can't make any promises. All right. 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, and toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Open lines now until the bottom or until the uh, the top of the hour. And uh, just, uh, again, a few programming notes. Next week on the show, uh, at long last, you've heard me speak about her for uh, many, many years on this program, the mighty Aphrodite, my lovely bride, will be sitting in this chair and hosting the program. 
and um, she's going to do. Um, she kind of wanted to pick, you know, subjects that are kind of near and dear to her and in her wheelhouse, as we say. And the mighty Aphrodite is going to talk about dream analysis. We have uh, someone from the Dream Foundation in Montreal, uh, Craig Webb, I believe it is, and uh, uh, she's she's fascinated by you know dreams. I think as we all are, and uh, wanting to know what is the meaning. You know the Carl Jungian symbology, perhaps behind these uh, behind these dreams. So uh, she'll discuss that with uh, Craig Webb from uh, the Dream Foundation, and uh, then uh, the mighty Aphrodite, as you know, is of Greek descent, and uh, there is this sort of cultural superstition. Some call it a superstition. Other people believe it's very real. Uh, that is um, predominant in the Mediterranean uh, region. So the Greeks believe in this, the Italians believe in it, uh, people in the Middle East, in Turkey, um, in Israel, I believe. They all they all call it by a different name, but uh, in, in Greek they call it the, um, now I'm going to forget the name of it, Madmasmia, I've, I've totally butchered it, but uh, it's the evil eye, essentially. You may have seen people wearing those little amulets, amulets, uh, looks like a, it's blue usually, and there's like a, a little eye in the middle of it. That's to ward off the evil eye. It's a hex or a curse. Uh, so she'll delve into um, into the evil eye as well. That's the mighty Aphrodite sitting in this chair, hosting the conspiracy show uh, next week. Uh, the following week, uh, Morgan Reynolds, who was the former chief economist at the uh, Department of Labor in the United States under George W. Bush, that was his first term, and we'll talk about the deep state. It's a term you've heard a lot about in recent months or weeks. The deep state and the shadow government. That's Morgan Reynolds. And uh, then in the second hour, of course, Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be with us, our uh, paranormal investigator. And she joins us the uh, the second uh, Sunday of every month. So Rosemary will be with us. Then on the 16th, the full two hours, Dr. Gary Chang, who is a professor of uh, biology, I believe, at Redeemer University here in Ontario, and uh, we'll talk about the Shroud of Turin for the full two hours. All right, I tell you, the phone lines are a little slow tonight. It's 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, that's in Toronto, the greater Toronto area, and toll-free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. And uh, if you'd like to talk about something you've heard recently on the program, we can delve into that. If you have a suggestion for someone you'd like to hear on the program, we can go there. Uh, of course, we can talk about political subterfuge, we can talk conspiracy, or we can talk paranormal. If you've had a, uh, uh, a recent uh, UFO sighting you'd like to talk about, um, I'm all ears. While we're waiting for the phone lines, let me just uh, introduce once again, my story producer, Albert Vinzel, and uh, Ryan White, our intern, and uh, Ryan helps produce my weekly radio feature called Strange Planet. Gentlemen, how are you? Can't complain today. Good. Good, good. <laughs> All right. Um, let me ask you, as uh, Ryan, first to you, because you're new to the program, and uh, you were a former student of mine when uh, when I was teaching college. Is this? What do you think of this whole arena that we've dealt that we we delve into on this show? Whether it's the conspiracy or the paranormal, do you come and be honest now? Do you come at this as a skeptic? Uh, are you a believer? Are you on the fence? What What are your thoughts? I'm uh, 
of the opinion, like personally, uh, when it comes to a lot of, say, the paranormal stuff, I've never myself seen any uh, experience. You've, uh, never, you've never had a paranormal experience? No, but I don't discount um, the stories people tell. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people will, will try to claim, oh, there's not enough statistics or not enough evidence. But if you have enough anecdotes, I think they add up to some sort of statistics. Well, somebody is, yeah, some people are experiencing something. The question is, what is it? It's like the whole UFO phenomenon. There's no question there are UFOs. UFOs, that's unidentified flying object. Millions, tens of millions of people have seen something that they can't identify. Therefore, it's an unidentified flying object. The, the, The Lollapalooza question is, what are these things? Who's piloting them? Uh, so, um, let me ask you, Albert. Have, by the way, have you ever had a paranormal experience? Uh, yeah, knowing child. Hey, that's that's why I listen to the show because this is where you learn the most. That that last guest just hit the nail on the head so many times. Like revert if you listen closely and you just like suss out the details, like reverts to reincarnation. But you don't have to come back to Earth. There's like a level above human. And then if if you learn the Bible well enough, you can reincarnate like a level above human. And where he's talking about heaven's gate, bridal chamber, yeah. you know. Uh, you, know I, you know where I stand on this. I, I mean, I don't believe in in reincarnation. Uh, it, um, and I've been very honest about this. It conflicts with my, my faith. I put everything through that Bible narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't work for me. However, uh, I'm certainly willing to entertain that idea on the show. But what about a, an actual paranormal experience? Uh, yeah, uh, contactee. I, I mean, there's there's another civilization, you know. Uh, You're a, a contactee. Right. A level one civilization. They've seeded technology here so many times. Zero point energy is the big one. The shadow government keeps oppressing it. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Wait, wait a minute. You, so you were contacted by what or whom exactly? Oh. Um, Telepathically? No, no. <laughs> Time in between lives. Like before you're born on Earth, you sort of you're looking for a place to to get born. Um, so you remember a time be- before you were born where you were you you had contact with an extraterrestrial in the heavens, I guess. Yeah, and then and then it's the the Bible's correct. You're, you're sort of there's like those biblical characters, and like Ali Siadatan said it right. Like they have you know they need UFOs to get around, but it's it's you know Gabriel, it's the angels and things like that, and then. Uh, if if you know the Bible well enough, you can go a level above human, which is, you know, the level one civilization, and we're at level zero, like we're stuck on oil. But but then there's, you know, all the sort of conspiracy stuff, like the David Rockefeller and things like that, where, you know, you're trapped in the matrix. But you're here to learn something. And it's, it's if you learn the Bible well enough, you, you can reincarnate on a level one civilization. Well, I, I think most people that... that um you know, read the Bible, believe in the Bible, would discount the idea of reincarnation. However, that's uh, that's one way of looking at it. All right, let's go to the phones. And Ed, Ed joins us from Las Vegas tonight, this morning. Ed, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi there, Richard. Um, great. Um, nice show, as always. Try to catch you every week, that's for sure. How are you listening in, Ed? Um, I typically um, YouTube. All right, you're watching the YouTube stream? Great. Yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll watch on your app, and your app is very good, very easy to use, very clear. You know, Terrific. All right, thank you. Um, suggestion for a future show. Yes. Um, after your show, I think it was after your show last week, I was listening to George Knapp for a little bit on Coast to Coast. 
Oh, yes, the, the Lost City in Honduras. I was listening to that yeah. as well. That was a, a terrific interview. That was a fantastic interview. I missed a portion of it. I probably heard about half of it, but they didn't know such a thing could possibly you know, exist these days. You'd think that the whole you know, world would have been discovered by now. But it was very interesting, and I was thinking um, you know, he might be a good potential guest for you. Right. Um, I'm trying to think. Was that the, the, the Lost City of the Monkey Gods? I think that was it. Yeah, yeah in, was in it. an incredibly remote area of Honduras, and apparently it's so inaccessible, mountainous and treacherous and, and um, virtually inaccessible. Right. Uh, and there are places, yeah, it's hard to believe that in, in 2017 there are still places on this planet where no human has ever set foot. And um, But, you know, when you when you look at how thick the jungle is and mountainous and so forth, uh, it stands to reason. Yeah, there are there are places that are that are untouched here in Canada. I'm sure there are thousands of square miles no one has ever been, uh, or you know maybe not since um, who knows. Uh, you know, the um, the first Aboriginals you know crossed the land bridge in the Bering Strait and set foot there. Yeah. It's an interesting concept, and uh, one thing I found interesting about it was that um, I think nobody's you know been been lost for like 500 years or 700 years whatever it was but he said i think everybody left at the same time or roughly at the same time which i found uh you know kind of interesting there's some event that caused them to, to basically evacuate that that area or leave that area all right ed i'm going to uh search that out and let's see if we can bring on the uh awesome. the person that wrote that article for um i think he writes for new yorker magazine thanks for the right. suggestion ed thanks for checking thank in you. from las vegas thank you all right, we'll come back. More of your calls. Open lines, 416-360-0740-866-740-4740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. Open lines. And uh, here's an interesting article I was reading earlier this week about uh, Alan Bean, uh, who is only one of 12 people to have ever taken one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. Uh, he was the uh, the fourth man to walk on the uh, lunar surface, and um, uh, he says that he knows, or he explains why he knows, aliens have not visited Earth. Albert, I want you to pay cl- close attention to this. Uh, Alan Beans, 85, and uh, he was the lunar module pilot, one of two crew members on on board Apollo uh, uh, 12, which walked, uh, who walked on the moon days after it launched on November the 14th, 1969. Apollo 12, Alan Bean. And um, this is a guy that logged 1,671 hours and 45 minutes in space. 10 hours, 26 minutes of that were spent on the moon in Earth's orbit. And he says, I do not believe anyone from outer space has ever visited the Earth. He told News.com in Australia from his home in Houston, Texas. One of the reasons I don't believe they've been here is that civilizations that are more advanced are more altruistic and friendly, like Earth, which is better than it used to be. So they would have landed and said, we come in peace and we know from our studies you can have cancer that kills people. We solved that problem 50 years ago. Here's the gadget we put on a person's chest that will cure it. We will show you how to make it. Uh, Just like someday, say 1,000 years from now, when we go to another star and see a planet, That's what we would do because we'll know how to cure cancer, cure birth defects. So we would teach them. Uh, Mr. Bean doesn't doubt for a second we are not alone. He says there's so many billions of stars and these stars have planets around them. So there must be statistically many planets around many stars that have formed life, he said. 
Maybe some of them are like, like our life was 100,000 years ago. And some of them are like we are now. And there are probably some out there that are 10,000 years in the future from where we are now. So, uh, I guess, Mr. B, I don't think that's a very <laughs> a convincing argument. His argument is that if aliens had been here before, we'd already have a cure for cancer because... Uh, these these civilizations, they'll come here, they're more peaceful, they're more altruistic. I don't necessarily think that follows. Just because you, you master space travel, because you become, Albert, as you said, a level one civilization, in other words, you've, you've um, harnessed the power of the sun, uh, and this would lead to interstellar travel, that doesn't mean you're, you're necessarily more altruistic. I think you could simply, I, I think you could come here and be very, you know, ag- aggressive, like the reptilians supposedly are. We're the aggressive ones. Dangerous for them to do so. Like, the war broke out in heaven, and now it's being played out on Earth. The, the one-third that were kicked out of heaven, they were put on Earth. We're, we're the ones under quarantine. So it would be dangerous for them to come here and give us the cure for cancer and things like that. Like, so they, they have it, but if they came here, we, we would, like, you know, the shadow government would attack them. All right. Let's uh, welcome our good uh, friend, our media scientist friend, Nelson Thal, to the program. Hey, Nelson. Are you there, Nelson? Oh, I think he's dropped off. I'm sure he'll check in again. Uh, let's say hi to Karen in Ohio. Karen, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hello, Richard. It's really exciting to be able to listen to you. Oh, how are you check? How are you listening? Um, gosh, well... I'm listening on Zoomer, I think through TuneIn, but mostly because of a friend, Mary, Mary Whitworth, who arranged all this for us this weekend, and a Canadian compadre of yours, uh, Benjamin Hemiston, he turned us on to you. It's very exciting to oh, hear this tonight. Wonderful. So you're... Actually, we've been listening every Sunday. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And whereabouts in Ohio are you from? Uh, Fairborn, Ohio. Fairborn. Okay. I don't know Fairborn. Uh, it's where Wright Patterson Air Force Base is. Oh, is that right? Yep. Wow, then I should know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, um, so you're, you're, you're pulling us in on, on Zoomer Radio, or is that how you're listening? On Zoomer Radio? I think I am, yeah. Ah, okay. AM 740 on the dial. Well, I, 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 I had trouble getting through, but. I mean, finding it, you know, and right. being able to go on Facebook. But, yeah, I, I came through Zoomer. Excellent. Well, there you go. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind, Karen? Well, I guess a couple of things. I'm kind of sad not to be able to speak to your former guest, so the guy who was just on. Oh, earlier. Freddie Silva. Yeah. All right. Well, imagine that he were here. What would you ask him? Well, uh, the first, I guess my, my first one was when he mentioned that Jesus separated from whatever his religion was and went off to start his own sect, which, you know, in this day and age is like Odo sex cults and all that, you know, but look what happened there. Hmm. Um, and uh, Yeah, I'm not on the same page with Freddie on that. Um, okay. The thing about the... the um, about Christianity is they they re- they recognized that the, the narrative of, of Jesus um, dying on the cross, being resurrected after three days was incredibly derivative. Uh, they didn't hide from that fact. It wasn't like you know this is something unique. The idea was though that I believe that this narrative was ingrained in in 
in in our in 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 the consciousness at that time because it had been talked about and and perhaps you know these other initiations were did take place these well, metaphorical resurrections but I believe that the the Jesus resurrection was a physical resurrection and I and uh I believe the shroud of Turin is is uh very compelling evidence that there was a resurrection event uh, uh which involved radiation. Well, How- he, he also spoke of Jesus being the way and in um Taoist religion. Hmm. That was the way and I I mean to me they seem to fit together. I mean the mysteries Right, right. We call them something different now, but they used to be called the mystery. Well, but he also said that he was the son of God, and if he wasn't, then he was either a madman or a liar. Did so, he actually say that? He did. It's in the Bible. Yes, okay. he did. Yes, he did. Well, I'm not a Bible yeah. aficionado, so I don't really know. I mean, I know what I've heard, and I right. I know what little bit I've read, but... Well, Karen, it's so great that you uh, finally got through to us, and thank you, and welcome to the program, and I hope you'll enjoy us every Sunday. I am intending to. Wonderful. (laughs) All right. You have a a great evening and a good morning and a good rest of the week. Thank you so much. I think Nelson has checked in again. Nelson, how are you? Uh, I'm just great. Thanks, Richard. Um, Richard, two great things you brought out. Last week, Al Warren mentioned that... um, Mrs. Harriman, who we've been trying to find out about, who's Colonel um, Williams's Russell Williams's wife. Oh, let me just let me just jump in. Hang on, Nelson. Let me just remind people what you're talking about. So last week on the program, we had Al Warren, who writes uh, True Crime, uh, and we were talking about serial killer Colonel Russell Williams, who of course flew. Uh, sort of the equivalent of uh, Air Force One here in Canada. He flew the Prime Minister. He flew the, the Governor General. He flew the Queen of England. He, Prince Philip uh, and others, and then of course um, by day and then by night he was this horrible monster that was torturing and, and raping and murdering uh, young women and photographing and videotaping it. I mean, it's it's right up there with uh, the, you know Bernardo, this um, monster. Um, and yes, his wife's name was her last name was Harriman. And she was treated with kid gloves and very protected by the p- police, l- unlike ever anyone else before. And he mentioned that she was connected to BP, British Petroleum. So everything then falls into place. So you're, you, uh, because you had sort of alerted this uh, me to this, you had called before the show and you said, ask Al whether Russell Williams' wife, um, last name again, her maiden name, Harriman, was any relation to the Harriman um, the Harriman family in the United States. They were kind of Boston blue bloods. Averill Harriman was, I believe, at one time governor of New York. He was also the ambassador to Moscow uh, during the Second World War. Very powerful family. Some say the Harrimans were the ones that actually sort of put their uh, took uh, William Jefferson Clinton under their wing. Um, right, Mrs. Harriman was Winston Churchill's. Uh, um Mistress, and before that was Winston Churchill's daughter-in-law, married to Randolph. You, and you also told me something very interesting about Averill Harriman while he was the ambassador to, to Moscow and back in the early 1940s. Tell me about that again. Yes, it's been reported, it was reported mostly uh, by a number of reporters that in 1941 when Stalin had his breakdown that uh, the British establishment, the British crown, put Harriman in charge of Russia, running Russia, and of course this will uh, 
dovetail with those who've read the book about Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, etc., etc. Okay, so uh, you're saying that um, it's it's still possible that um, he was his Harriman... Is, now we start to understand how a guy who was a uh, serial murderer is also flying around the Queen and, and uh, the Prime Minister of Canada. It all starts to now come into focus. Well, uh, Al Warren raised a couple of interesting points. First of all, she um, she didn't be, she didn't seem surprised or shocked um, when uh, when her husband was uh, arrested and convicted, and um, she had access to his she computer. Had, she, she had access everything. to the computer. She must probably have, his handler. She seemed to know everything. So yep. interesting. All right, Nelson. Before I go, one yes. other thing. Next week you're having um, Morgan Reynolds on, and uh, you were talking tonight about Bean and the Moon, and uh, everyone should just read Morgan Reynolds' NoMoreGames.net. Uh, he's got a great article there, Star Blind on the Moon, Tales from Apollo Days. And, of course, he's one of the major scientists who points out that they did not and could not scientifically get to the moon. So next week, everyone should turn into no, your program. Uh, not next week, not next Morgan week. Morgan Reynolds. April the 9th. Oh, April in two weeks. In two tonight, weeks, right? That's right. That'll yes. be a great show. I can't wait to hear Morgan. I had him on, uh, did an interview with him and had him on my show years ago, and I'm looking forward to hear him update about what's happening. All right, yes, we're going to delve into the deep state and the shadow government. And uh, again, Morgan was uh, the former chief economist at the Department of Labor under George W. Bush uh, back in the uh, back in 2004. So it was the first term. Yeah, he's and an interesting Professor guy. Professor Emeritus at Texas A&M University. He's a top flight scientist. So it'll be great to hear what he's got to say. All right, Nelson. Nelson, my friend, thank you. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot, Richard. Thanks for doing such a great, uh, most noble job. My pre- I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, all right, do we have time, Ian, for one more here before the break? I think so. Let's uh, say hi to John in Ohio. John, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm hi. well, thank you. Good. Um, yeah, I was wondering. Um, I- I'm listening to you on uh, my little Radio Shack radio here. I get you in pretty good, usually week to week, but sometimes it fades out. And you're pulling us in on 7:40 a.m. 7:40. I try to listen faithfully every week. Great. Um, I was a few weeks ago. You had a, a gentleman on um, that was claimed he was being electronically targeted, and I'm not sure what his name was. Michael what, was Michael weird. Bell. I ask you what happened. Michael what Bell. Happened? Michael Bell. That was a couple what, months ago. What wasn't happened? That? He got cut off. Um, no. Remember what happened? He got he got cut off. He was talking and he was saying he was being drugged. And um, he couldn't remember where he was, and then he said he looked out the window, and he recognized, like, one part of the window was like, it looked like Los Angeles. And then the next thing I heard, uh, your station went to playing music, and he never came back on. Uh, well, the guest you're talking about was Michael Bell, and and but that doesn't sound at all familiar. We had a pretty lucid, normal conversation for two hours. Now, it's possible that, uh, I don't know, something went, you know, the signal... Um, you, you lost the signal down there in Ohio, but no, we did the the full two hours, and and I think the the YouTube stream is still up there, the the uh, the podcast on YouTube, or you can go to. Okay, um, I was I couldn't figure out why I didn't hear the rest of the show. Um, I thought the government or something stepped in and cut you. Well, you never know about that. You never know about that. <laughs> I've found. Well, maybe it, here I don't know. I mean, it was just like I said. That's all I heard was um, 
he said that he was looking. He didn't know where he was, and he he looked out the window, and he said he thought he recognized the tree or the trees. Okay, or okay. Something now, yeah, that wasn't. He wasn't talking about while he was on the show that this was happening to him. He was talking about something that happened to him in the past, uh, where he would actually he was actually abducted, taken someplace, and drugged. I remember that yes, part now. Yes. Yeah, but in terms of the, and then he said he, he, but he didn't know what, who was doing, and then he said he looked out the window. It looked like a warehouse or something, mm-hmm. and he said that he, he recognized the trees, and it was like around Los Angeles. He recognized right. the street or the trees. Okay, or now I remember. Yes, and, yes. Yes, okay. And then all of a sudden, uh, the next thing I know, I hear, I don't know, some bumper music, and um, I said, wait a minute, the show can't be over. And I'm thinking, oh, it's just bumper music. And then it went from one song to another song, and it never came back on. Well, that, that's uh, that's a show that follows this show on Zuma Radio. It's the All Night Jukebox. So that was the end of the show. So what you want to do, uh, yeah, I know, John? Yeah, it was only like it was only like after midnight, though. All right. So go, listen, go back to um, um, go to talkzone.com. Go back a few months or type in uh, find my show on Talkzone. Uh, they, they carry okay. all of the um, the past episodes, and um, there's a past show button. Click on that. And uh, just scroll down until you see, find that show on, on uh, electronic harassment or electronic stalking or whatever. Or you can type in Michael Bell into the search engine. And um, okay. you, you should find the show and listen to it. I, it should be all there as far as I know. Electronic targeting. It is. It's, it's, uh, it's scary. When, when you, I mean, I get, I get uh, every week, I would say, I get an email or um, a letter from someone who believes that they are being targeted. John, got to run. Thank you. Good to hear from you again in Ohio. All right, more open lines when we come back. 416-360-0740. Toll free, 866-740-4740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. Open lines until the uh, well, until we dim the lights and say good night. And I know Doug in uh, the Hoosier State, Indiana, is low on minutes, so let's work him in here. Hey, Doug, you're on board. Come on in. Okay, Richard, uh, I was sitting here calculating here by using the 200-inch Mount Palomar Observatory and figuring that if you use maximum magnification on it, you could look down on the moon's surface as, as if you was in a 21-mile orbit above the surface of the moon and i was figuring if people that don't believe that uh, the united states landed on the moon why not use the space telescope which would have considerably more magnification than what the palomar mountain does and you should easily be able to pick out the lunar rover from uh, using that space telescope i agree i agree uh, and and uh, i might i might be mistaken but i think amateur astronomers have done that and and have have seen the uh the the loner or the uh, the lunar rover etc of course then the uh, the um those who believe that we haven't been to the moon would say well they could have sent that up there in an unmanned mission i believe uh, and i'm on the record as believing we have been to the moon um I'm, i find it a fascinating subject and i love to hear the arguments on both sides yeah, if they can uh, look several billion years into uh, the beginning of uh, the cosmos and everything, I think they should be able to pick that off the surface of the moon. Absolutely, you? absolutely, they should. Yeah, you know the big the big uh, obstacle they say are these Van Allen belts, but I have I've looked into this and I've and I've read about it. And the Van Allen belts are not sort of consistent; uh, they're not uniform around the planet. There are there are areas of the Van Allen belts that are uh, very thin. They tend to be thicker around the poles and very thin around our equator. 
uh, out in space. So, you know, they calculated this. There was a, they, 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 um, the, uh, the astronauts flew through the thinner portion of the Van Allen belts, and the amount of time that they spent in there, um, you know, it was reduced so that, um, you know, they weren't exposed to the, the, uh, the radiation, uh, the type of radiation that would have been, you know, deadly. So I don't see the Van Allen belts as being an obstacle to, uh, you know, traveling out into space. Well, the thing is, the light year is so far, so massive amount of distance that it's just inconceivable to think that we could ever be able to travel it. But with telescopes and everything, it's possible. Maybe you can see civilizations that cease to exist, you know, and that's about as far as mankind will be in the way of being able to explore other places in the universe. Yeah, uh not being able to attain light speed is certainly uh, going to be a huge obstacle in terms of interstellar flight, yes, and getting to any of these, even these Earth-like planets that are light years away. That is, uh, that's going to be a huge obstacle, overcoming um, light speed. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Even if you could achieve a light speed, it would still, maybe the nearest civilization might be 100 light years. You're still talking 100-year travel. That's right. Well, um not in our lifetime, Doug, but uh, who knows. Thank you so much for checking in from Indiana. Good Thank to hear you, from sir. you. All right. Uh, let's see. Sean is in Toronto. Hello, Sean. Good morning good, and uh, welcome. Good morning, Richard. Hi there. I'd like to congratulate you on an excellent program that you have. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I listen to it frequently. Uh, it, I find that it's uh, very creative and gets people thinking and talking. All right. Uh, good, good uh, one, to know. Of, one of the things I was uh, wanting to inquire with you is some of your guests have already talked about it is uh, the space travel, whether it's real or not real that we've had, and whether or not Donald Trump's promise to uh, put in uh, large amounts of money for actual manned space programs. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a great idea. I, I think that uh, Trump, or at least those people that are advising him, understand sort of the ancillary benefits. Uh, you know, it's not just throwing money down a hole, and uh, it's an ex- it's obviously it's a, an incredibly expensive endeavor, uh, putting a man on the moon or man flights to Mars, uh, but the the ancillary benefits are tremendous. Um, I agree. So yeah, I I think it's 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 an absolute must. I think they have to do it, and they will. I hope. So your your decision is that it will go forward. Well. Uh, Will it go forward? Will, will they? They'll spend the money. Will they? They'll spend the money. Whether you know, I'm not sure about the timing of uh, you know when we'll see a manned mission to Mars. Um, I certainly think before 2030. Yeah, because you see all these other companies that are going private and offering these trips and looking for uh, candidate astronauts. Uh, I just found it interesting that Trump is getting in on the bandwagon. Right. Well, listen, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, of private enterprise uh, and you know free markets and so forth. But when it comes to something like a space program, uh, you can't just be doing like these little tourist junkets. I mean, this requires the state to get behind it, and you're going to have to have you know cooperation between. Uh, nations, which, you know, it reminds me, which is something very, very interesting about the Cold War. Uh, you had these tensions, you know, going on in the, in the a tremendous tension in the Cold War. And, you know, in, in uh, the early 60s, people of that age remember, you know, the, uh, 
you know, duck and roll and all of these things, uh, you know, uh, in, in the event of a nuclear um, war and so forth, the tensions were palpable. At exactly. the same time, however, uh, while that was going on, there was this incredible cooperation between the Soviets and the Americans in terms of space travel and so forth. It, 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 uh, I don't know, there's something there that just doesn't seem right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I know that they were thrown off by the Russians getting into space first, but that's just pride. Yes, but the idea that they, we could be at, on, on the brink of war on one level, but at another level, they're cooperating with each other. Exactly. It's very strange. All right, Sean, thanks for checking in. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, uh, David is in Toronto. Good evening, David. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Uh, we met at Judy Wood, and um, <clears throat> you went to your car and got me a poster, which I got signed, and, and you owe me a beer. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, I just wanted to say something about reincarnation. All right. Um <clears throat> Um, the Bible apparently, and I think I got this from W.Y. Evans Wentz, who, who uh, was at Oxford in the, whatever they call the chair of religion. Um, he, um, as I recall, said that the Bible was, uh, was edited or changed uh, significantly, and that there was something called the Second Council of Carthage. I could be wrong on yes. the details. Yes. Pope Vigilus, and, and something like this, this wondrous doctrine of the pre-existence of the soul and its survival upon bodily death is anathema, roughly speaking. And so that declaration about one quarter of the way through the history of the Christian Church, which was governed by the popes in those days, um, changed the view of um, of uh, Christianity, I think, around reincarnation considerably. I've heard that, yes. Now, um, what I found, like I had an experience of, of a previous life, let me get you. Let me get you to hold on, David. We're just heading into a, a break. Can you okay. do that for me? We'll get your story when we come back. David sure. will tell us about his past life experience. If you've got a line, hold on to it. All right. If you don't, four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Toll free eight six six seven forty four seven forty. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, and uh, David was holding on during the break. And David, uh, you were talking about reincarnation being uh, expunged from uh, the Bible, uh, and um, I can talk about that a little bit. But you, first, let me let me let let let's have your uh, your experience with the past life. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure about exactly how the books of the Bible. I know that there's a, there's a lot of uh, books that are, aren't in the Bible, like the Gospel according to Thomas, which is interesting, purporting to be a stenographic record of what Christ actually said discovered in 1945 there's a lot of unusual interesting things uh, that weren't included in the in the current one anyway <clears throat> um well there's the a way, reason they I weren't included you get to take yeah. over from george nori someday and 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 be the number one host on on uh, coast to coast well that is very kind of you to say and i'm very happy to occasionally sit in on a on a saturday a sunday or mm. once in a while when george takes a much deserved night off i'll do a friday night yeah yeah anyway i was going to say then so uh, I'd uh, listened to Wayne Dyer for many years. Oh, yes. Listen. And I remember one time he said something which sort of stuck in my mind, which is if you upgrade faith to knowing, miracles happen. Hmm. Now, whatever that might mean, the difference between faith and knowing, what, what it's meant to me was that 
in the inner world of the subjective self, for me, I, I can have capital K knowledge without proof. Whereas in the outer world of science, they have, I guess you'd call it capital K proof, without any final knowing or knowledge. Hmm. So it's a sort of an intuitive sense of certainty that appears to be a precursor to the miracle of discovery in the inner world, I, I guess. Anyway, back in the early, early 70s, or 74, 75, I was reading a paperback book called The Spear of Destiny by Trevor Ravenscroft. And whatever the truth might be about the substance of that book, when I read it at some level, I absolutely knew for the first time that reincarnation, and this is for me, reincarnation is how it is. Hmm. And as soon as I knew that, ten minutes later, I was walking down Princess Street in Kingston, Ontario, and I had a flashback, and I was a female. I was a ballerina. I was on a stage. I was getting a standing ovation for my performance, and I knew that I'd achieved my purpose in life, which was to get appreciative attention. And somehow, that was, that was, uh, it, it led me on to another idea, too, that, so, that when we have flashbacks to perhaps to previous lives, which I know that to be, but I don't expect anybody else to accept that because this is inner knowing. Um, we, we may actually, the more purposes we achieve, our own subjective uh, exceptional potential, which only we have to achieve in our own life, um, the more of those we achieve, I, it occurred to me that it might well be that it would be easier to look back in a future life and see this one, if I manage to achieve purposes in this life, I think I've already done one, but but uh, I think it's it's um, important to achieve those purposes, possibly just to be able to remember from life to life what previous lives were. I mean, it's just, that's my own personal uh, take on it anyway. Right. No, I appreciate you uh, sharing that. Yeah. Um, and I, you, you'd mentioned... Um, reincarnation being expunged from the Bible uh, and the decision was made during one of the ecumenical councils. I think we, we were we said Carthage, but it was Nicaea. That was the, there were seven of them. That was the first of, uh, first of them. Uh-huh. And that's going back around um, early 4th century, 325. Uh-huh. And um, I, not to my, I'd have to go back and look, but to my knowledge, that, that subject never even came up during that council. Now, the, the problem with arguing that reincarnation was taken out of the Bible is we have manuscripts of the uh, of the Bible that go back to that predate the Council of Nicaea. It goes back to you know like 300, 290 A.D. and they they remain pretty well exactly the same. And there's there's nothing in in those early transcripts of the Bible that mention reincarnation. So yeah. at what point then was it taken out? That's the oh, question. I, I, I didn't mean that. I misspoke. I didn't mean it was taken out. Um, I meant that it was, uh, I, I understood from what Evans once said that Vigilus, the Pope Vigilus had spoken against it as an anathema. It was unacceptable for right. Christians to believe. So okay. that was more of a papal edict. Oh, I see what you're but, saying. Okay. But what, um, I think that the place that I was um, headed actually around that was, have you run across um, a book called The Gospel According to Thomas, which was part of the Nag Hammadi finds in 1945. Right. These were, um, yes, these were um, these were found in the Sinai, right? 
I think so. The yeah, Sinai Desert. Was what, yeah, the location, well, I guess. yeah, there were there were a bunch of them. There was there's a uh, there's even the Gospel according to Judas. Um, there's Timothy. There's Judas. There's one uh, the Gospel according to Jesus apparently that are part of this uh, collection. Um, now, just because I guess that they were found in a in a you know a clay jar buried in the desert, um, and they, you know, maybe they can even be. Uh, dated back to that particular time, you know, doesn't mean that they're credible or that they, they shouldn't have been rejected. There's a reason, I'm guessing, that they were, you know, it was decided, perhaps at one of these ecumenical councils, which books get in and which don't. But to me, the remarkable thing about the Bible as it exists, if you, you look, 66 books written by something like 44 different authors over 2,000 years, and yet uh, they go together, and yet there's this incredible cohesiveness, um, you know, it's remarkable how they decided which ones would go and uh, which ones would stay. What what I found interesting about the Gospel according to Thomas, which I think it starts out, these are the living words that Jesus spoke and Didymus Judas, Judas Thomas wrote. Mm-hmm. And if you look in the Gospel according to John, you'll see that the doubting Thomas's name, I believe, was Didymus Thomas, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. That's, yes. And, and uh, so there, if that was the same person... And this was authentic. It, it purports to be a stenographic record, record of what Christ actually said, which makes it interesting to look at. And I think that you'll find evidence that Christ spoke positively of reincarnation if one were to accept that as possibly right. real. Of course, it depends on, you know, who decides what goes in and what's acceptable and, you know, what makes sense. And uh, cohesiveness perhaps would have been a factor, but, but there could have been a lot of other factors because... Once the church started to sell indulgences to get people out of purgatory, there was a huge financial incentive for them not to have reincarnation as real anymore, because you either get to heaven or hell, and it depends on. Yeah, but you the, listen, the but the the uh, the Bible had been established long, long centuries and centuries before the indulgences, uh, and um, I mean. Yeah. For those of us who believe in, in, in the Bible as it is, mm-hmm. they would they would say that they believe that the bishops that, ca- that gathered at these ecumenical councils were divinely inspired. I suppose. So, yeah. listen, great to hear from you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, nice meeting you. Or uh, talking to you. Maybe we'll get a chance to get together sometime. Would love to. Thank you, David. Thanks, Mike. All right. Bye bye. Uh, let's go to another Dave in Arizona. Dave. Good morning. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Uh, it's still evening here. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're in mountain time. It's only uh, not quite yeah. 11. All yeah, right. Actually, I'm on complete West Coast time. Arizona is the only state that does not change time. Oh, is that right? We're like an idiot. Oh, okay. <laughs> how, are you, how are you listening in, uh, Dave, tonight? Uh, I'm on YouTube. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, a couple of friends, actually posted on uh, Facebook a bit ago, and I came here, and they're in the chat, and they want everybody... In the chat there on YouTube, hello, Amanda, Ben, and everybody. That's right. But, uh, yeah, see, I'm project coordinator for the CubeSat for UFO Disclosure. We're actually launching the first ever UFO hunting satellite. That's coming in later this year. We have already paid for the satellite launch. Wow, it's a in, UFO uh, hunting satellite. How did, you get, how did you raise funds for this? We uh, did crowdfunding. Yeah, we used uh, Indiegogo and Kickstarter, and we raised uh, a little over 30000 And wow. then we have somebody that's come on board that's uh, promising the rest of the money. But we've already paid for the launch. It's paid for. It's going to happen. And uh, uh, we're set. We're actually going to do this. We're going to have our own satellite camera platform with a magnetometer and a simulation counter in orbit. So we can finally do this ourselves. 
That yeah, is very no cool. NASA cut and feed or anything like that. That's very cool. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very cool. And who's launching it? Uh, actually, a company out of the uh, Mojave Desert. It's Interorbital Systems. They're a new rocket company. They're launching Cube satellites. And uh, after this, now we have something in the works. We ain't sure yet, but we're still working on it. But we may try to send three of these Cube sets to the moon to image the moon ourselves too. That would be uh, next year, but uh, we have that in plan and uh, may have somebody on board that may want to do it. So, <laughs> so perhaps uh, if you're able to to um, photograph the moon, you can get a um, you can get some images of the uh, the lunar orbiter or the uh, the lunar oh, rover up there. Everything, yeah, that's what the whole goal is to be able to see and practically see a license plate on that thing. That's the goal. If we do do the moonshot, which it looks like we are, and uh, we want to image the entire moon. It'll be quite a few months of three CubeSats orbiting in different orbits and uh, imaging and be able to see the landing site to prove that it ha- or if there's bases or whatever people have come up with. You know, we're just, uh, we're going to do it. It's time Send that over to the dark side of the moon. Itself. I want to see what's on the dark yeah. side of the moon, Dave. Yeah, I know. Everybody does. All right. Dave, great <laughs> to hear from you. I hope to call again. Yeah, on some time. I guessed on like a dozen or so. Tell you what, I'm going to put uh, put you on hold and speak to Ian. He'll get your your particulars, your contact information, and uh, Albert will be in touch and we'll get you on the show. Okay, great, great. Thank you, Dave. All right, let me say hi to Mark in uh, Southern uh, Maryland very quickly because he's been holding a while and wants to say hello. Hi, Mark. Hi, Richard. Yeah, I probably don't have a quick story, but I do. Oh, you're cutting up. uh, You're cutting out there, Mark. Can you hear me? Oh dear, that's a shame. He was holding on. Listen, Mark, if you can hear me, uh, in a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, I think we're going to do uh, some open lines again. So um, call back then, and we'll get to you. My apologies. There goes Mark. All right, we are done. Uh, that was fun, and we're going to do it more often, open lines. That is, thanks for everyone uh, for calling in. My thanks to Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel, Ryan White, all of you for listening. Back next week, well, it'll be the mighty Aphrodite sitting in this chair. Please. It's like, you know, when the regular teacher goes away and the substitute teacher, not that I'm a teacher, but the substitute teacher comes in and they warn the class, I want you to behave. I know you will. The Mighty Aphrodite, next week on The Conspiracy Show. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark speak in the light, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. <laughs>